even downright cruddy, buddy, buddy. Wish I missed the past, buddy, buddy, but there's still buddy cast. No, don't be naughty, go meet everybody here on buddy cast. Welcome to another segment of BuddyCast. It's Double Buddy Friday, and I'm here with my new buddy, Ryan Niemiller. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, Nick. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Thank you for being on the show. For those who don't know, Ryan was was on America's Got Talent, and you made it pretty far, didn't you? Yes. I got uh, For season 14, I was third place overall, so I'm uh, nice. officially the third most talented person in America. It's nice. Love it. You did champions too, right? I did do champions as well. Yeah, I got semifinals and champions. Nice. I got to ask, um, first off, how did you how did you find America's Got Talent? Let's start with um, that. It, I mean, obviously, it's a pretty big show, so I was aware of it <laughs> for a long time. Um, I actually tried to get on for five years before I actually got on there. And sort of the thing that made me want to really do that show over some of the other you know TV things I could have went for um, was first of all, I've had a lot of friends do really well on the show. So, um, my buddy Taylor Williamson, who I've known for years, he was runner up, I think for season eight, uh, the year before I got on my friend, uh, Samuel J. Comro, he got uh, fourth place overall and just kind of seeing what it did for them would made me kind of go, okay, that would be a cool avenue to go, uh, just career wise. And then also just, um, speaking from somebody who has a disability. Uh, America's Got Talent, I know sometimes like the narrative of that show, people think sometimes they can go a little bit too heavy on the sappy mm -hmm. uh, stories. But for me, the fact that they were going to let me tell my story was super important for me because I kind of was able to control what I wanted to say, how I wanted to present myself. And, you know, if I would have got something like The Tonight Show, which would be amazing as a comedian, mm -hmm. that is a that's a, a bucket list kind of goal. But with that, you get the gig, you do your four-minute set, you maybe get to wave goodbye, and then you're done. With America's Got Talent, you know, they interview you, you get to talk, you get to talk about the things that are important to you. So that was sort of the avenue I wanted, especially having a disability, because that's kind of how you have to try to get people comfortable with it still. Yes. And I'm just that I, I, that's, that's how I relate. You know, if I can tell people, like, hey, I love being a little person, I like, can control the narrative, you know. Like, here's what you can say, here's what you can't say, or here's what, you know, here's how to interact, here's not how to interact, then you're right. It's on point. Like, it's instead of people getting that assumption, like you said, you know, on you have a comedy bit yourself on how people interact with you, you know? Yeah. And, and, and for me, too, just like what my ultimate goal is, is, you know, I, I don't mind, like, I love joking about the disability. I'm not upset yeah. with who I am. It's uh, I've come to terms with that. All of all of those kind of battles with myself have long since been fought and mm -hmm. defeated. But, you know, the ultimate goal is I, I want to one day not have to joke about it if I don't want to. Yes. Uh, and I don't want to have to acknowledge it and have these kind of talks and do this kind of stuff because I want it just to be a thing that just exists. It's so strange to me that disabilities are still one of those things that are taboo enough that a lot of people don't want to talk about it nice. because, and you know, I, I, this statistic might be a little out of date, but it's pretty close. Um, I think uh, a fourth of Americans have a disability in some variety. And, you know, on as far as it being acknowledged in 
media or you know television film anything like that maybe three percent of people are even depicted as having a disability so it's like that's a huge disparity so ultimately at the end of the day i want it to be a thing where people don't always look at me as the disabled comic it's the comic who happens to have a disability yes these other things too yes i can relate to that perfectly because i i started out doing dwarfism for i'm a practicing stand-up comedian Okay. And I started doing, you know, doing, you know, some dwarfs like um, my joke, my key joke is that I am the hide and go seek champion of Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> I'm in my neighborhood because one time they ordered me the Amber Alert. <laughs> I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for the. I hope this never happens, but I'm still waiting for the day an Amber Alert actually goes off in the middle of the show and like all the phones go off and everything. It's <laughs> one of those situations where you go like, what next? That's me. I'm Nick Swanson. I'm going to go reclaim my title. I'll be back yeah. later. Yeah. I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let me ask you a bigger picture question. How did you sure. get into comedy? So how did I get into comedy? Yeah. Uh, it was sort of one of those things. I, I was never really good at anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say that, you know, a little bit jokingly. Um, more accurately, it's nothing else really ever made me happy. Um Ultimately, like I always knew I wanted to be a performer. Like that's something that for whatever reason that just existed in my body in some way. Like I wanted to be a performer. Honestly, when I was really like young, kind of going in through, you know, school and high school, I thought pro wrestling was gonna be the way I was gonna go. Like that's my first love as far as like entertainment goes. <laughs> to this day, I still it, it's one of my favorite things in the world. So I kind of thought that was going to be the way it was going to go. I mean, that's where the, you know, see up there, the cripple threat. Yeah. That's where that name came from. That was going to be my pro wrestling name. So that was sort of the the world I had built for that. And then after I trained to be a wrestler, um, I, I went to a school for it for about two months and my back couldn't take it. It had nothing to do with my arms. Mm-hmm. That it stuff's hard. <laughs> it's not, uh, your, your body's not designed to do that. Whether if you have a disability or not, it's rough on you. So um, at that point, I was also doing theater and improv, and I kind of had grown to enjoy that. So that sort of transitioned me into stand-up. Stand-up was something I always loved. Um, and then when the wrestling thing wasn't going to work, I kind of just went, well, screw it. I'll move to Los Angeles and see if I can give this a go. And then 14 years later, it worked out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Now let's backtrack a little. I forgot to ask you this. What was your experience like on AGT? Um, it's still a little surreal that it even happened. Um, because it's one of those things that, you know, I was very confident, like before I ever even got the yes that I was going to be able to go on the show, it was one of those things like in my head, I was like, if they ever let me go on there and do it, I'm going to crush it. I don't know. Like I'm I'm not a super confident guy in a lot of aspects of my life, but (laughs) for that, I was like, if I get this chance, I'm going to make a good run. And then kind of once I got there, um, I I had a blast. It's, um, it's very overwhelming. Like it can be very stressful on you. There's a lot of pressure because as a comedian, um, for that show to really have a huge impact on your career, you have to make the finals. Like, like obviously being on the show at all, you know, you make a couple rounds. It's, it's good. It's better than you were before you were there. But as far as me being able to like start headlining clubs and, you know, have an agent and a manager and have people want to come see me on purpose, like that's a huge, a huge deal of it is getting to the finals. So uh, I just tried to enjoy what was happening um, because it's such a once in a lifetime kind of experience 
that, you know, I, I just wanted to savor every moment of that and, and really appreciate the fact that I was given that chance. And yeah. um, I, I'm internally grateful for just how it all worked out, you know, not just for, um, you know, them giving me the chance, but, you know, people at home that kind of got on board with it and enjoyed my story and kind of came along with it and let me kind of live the life I'm living now is, mm -hmm. is so cool. And um, it, it's something that I, I would do again in a heartbeat, uh, e even with kind of the stresses, because, you know, it's not all super yeah. fun. Like there's, it, it's stressful. It's, it's weird being on television like that. And it's weird having to like ask for votes, <laughs> basically <laughs> beg for people to let your dream keep coming true. It's a very strange feeling, but, uh, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. It was a lot of fun. Nice. Let me ask you this question. Has your life like changed it at all since like being on the show? Like uh, pretty substantially. Uh, it, it's um, now it's a little weird just because, you know, the, the pandemic is a totally different, yeah. you know, wrench that kind of came into everything. But um, that part aside, it's, it's, it was very interesting because, you know, I did comedy before I actually got on AGT, I was 12 years into comedy at that point. Nice. So uh, this wasn't something I just decided, Oh, AGT would be fun. Yeah, and then it, and it worked out. You know, I had I been, I was a road dog. I was actively trying this business for a long time, and for the most part, nobody cared. <laughs> you know, I say that sort of flippantly, but you know, nobody was coming to see me on purpose. Like I was doing okay, I could pay my bills, but you know, I didn't have this gigantic fan base. I didn't have this online presence. You know, people weren't coming to see me necessarily on purpose. They just happened to be there if I was there. Um, and then AGT is something that changes it so fast. Like within, you know, that first month of the first uh, audition airing, you know, people were now traveling to see my shows and, you know, people are stopping me in public because they recognize me from being in the show and like people mm -hmm. wanted pictures and they wanted, uh, you know, autographs and like stuff that's like very cool and I don't take for granted, but your brain doesn't think of it that way, you know, because I remember the 12 years before when no one cared. And now it's just wild to me that like, like, you know, people so like this doesn't happen a ton, a ton. But, you know, I've had people be like in tears when they meet me because like it's so meaningful for them. And that's like it's a weird experience to kind of to have that because you don't you just see yourself as the same guy you were two years ago just trying to make it happen. So it's a uh, yeah. life has changed, but it's uh, it's all for the better. Yep. I got to ask now about the fan interactions. Like, do you have any stories that stand out? Like not only like people have just seen you on AGT, but like, you know, the public celebrity stories, I should say. Um, the, well, I've been very fortunate so far that I haven't had any like exceptionally weird ones. <laughs> you know, it hasn't been anything <laughs> where, you know, I haven't had a stalker. I haven't had, you know, anything like that. But um, for me, like, like the biggest thing that's kind of changed and that's really impactful, um, you know, I, I've had people tell me they've literally driven, you know, eight hours to come mm. see me perform because this was the closest show I was going to be at them for a while. Like, like that's bonkers to me, yeah. <laughs> you know, that anyone wants to travel that far. Um, and, and then just, it, it's a little lesser now just because the world is what it is and not, not as many people are out doing things, but, um, you know, it, it's still a really cool experience to have people want to stop you and want to acknowledge you. Um, last January, my girlfriend and I went to Disneyland, 
uh, was for her birthday. So we were just kind of having a, a day at Disneyland. And I think we lost track at about 50 times being stopped for people wanting to take pictures. And that's kind of like the biggest change of all that. Like it's very flattering. And like, I would rather people want to take a picture than not care at all. Mm-hmm. But um, it is odd when you're kind of like having this like date day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, my girlfriend and I joke that like one day I'm going to like be proposing to her and in the middle of it, someone's going to be like, hey, I'll let you finish that. Uh, but can I get a picture real fast first? <laughs> so. <laughs> Oh, I'll let you finish, but real quick, can we get a picture and an autograph? My kids loved you. Cool. All right. Hey, like, All right. Hope she says yes. You know, so. <laughs> oh. No, I got I to ask, you know, you mentioned the pandemic a lot. Um, what have you been doing during the pandemic? Because I know a lot of comedians um, have had some shows canceled here and there, or like have had, you know, like some comedians have told me that their entire schedules have been wiped out. Some comedians have told me they're slowly building up their schedule. What have you been doing in the time frame? Like, um, it, it's sort of been up and down. So um, recently, I've got to work a little bit more for better or worse. Um, so I, my schedule before everything shut down, like I was gone every weekend. So I was mm-hmm. I was busy. I I saw airports more than I saw my house. You know, that's just kind of. And, and, that, and that's a good problem. That's not me complaining. That, that means yeah. that I was in demand. Yeah. It's good. You know, yes. um, I was making money. I was working. That's that's good. Yes. Um, so I went from that to, you know, for that first four months, probably from like March to July, no shows whatsoever. I did, I did some Zoom things. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are, I put them at a different category. They're technically comedy shows, but it, it's a different yeah. form. It, it's, it's just different. You know they're not bad. I'm not. I'm not gonna sit here and and crap on them or anything like that because people, you got to be innovative during this time, no matter what business you're in. Mm-hmm. Um. So I so I've done some of that. Um. I started uh, a couple podcasts. Something I've been wanting to do for a while. So I do one called the Cafeteria, which I do with my buddies Johnny Laquasto and Brent Turhune. Um. We kind of do a weekly podcast there, and I'm also doing a video game podcast. Uh. Called Baby Got Backlog, where I play. I'm a big video game collector. You can probably see some of my. <laughs> little bit of this stuff back there most of it's in storage right now but uh, that's kind of my big thing so it's me discussing these video games that i've been collecting but haven't had time to play uh, i'm working on a youtube channel and uh, recently the schedule's been getting going a little bit more i think that's probably going to shut down again here soon um just because like you know my december's packed for instance i don't think all those shows are going to happen like i think i'm supposed to be in erie actually uh the second weekend of december but Ooh. I, I doubt those are happening. I don't even know if the club's been running shows at all. They have, they have been. And I'm going to tell you from experience from working in the media, like you said, keep the expectation that anything can happen because it might happen like I can see it. But at the same time, I, you know, at the same time, we just, we've seen for the past week, we've had new cases in the triple digits. So. Yeah. And, and, and it's a thing like anyone that might be listening, um, yeah. uh, like it, it's very important to me. Like I take this all very seriously and like yeah. it, in a perfect world, I wouldn't have to work at all because mm-hmm. we would have all been given the support to be able to stay home. So we didn't have to do this. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, like, like even though things are better than they were before America's got talent, I still have bills to pay. I still have to, you know, make a living. And this is how I make a living. So, um, so 
the shows that I do, I don't want anyone to think that I'm just being callous and like, yeah, everyone come sell it out. Let's do this. Let's all this. Yeah. It's not like that at all, but it's like, we have to work. You know, everyone has yeah. to put food on the table because no one's helping us not, <laughs> you know, go yeah. out and do things. So, yes. but you have to take it with a grain of salt, you know, um, if I get to perform, awesome. If I don't, I'm not upset with anywhere that's closing down. I'm not going to throw a, throw a fit because I get it. I, I kind of would rather be staying home if I could, but this is the world we're in right now. Yes. You reminded me of a story. First off, uh, prayers for this guy, our buddy Sinbad. I had okay. him on the show, and um, he said I had a Zoom meeting with him beforehand. That's how I got him on the show, and he even told me, like, at the end, he's like, I got to go. You know, I got to go pay some bills because even if you're this big time celebrity, they'll still shut off your gas, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, but like, I'm in a fortunate position where I had a little bit of money saved because of the gigs I was having after AGT. So I know there's people that have it worse and people are literally dying. Like, I, I don't want to downplay, you yeah. know, make it seem like I have it worse than anyone else because I, I am well aware that I don't. Mm -hmm. But, you know, everything has a shelf life, you know, like, like, you know, I'm, I still have a lot of years left to live, you know, God willing. So like, I, I, I need to be making money and, you know, my, my girlfriend and I are looking to get married and buy a house and, you know, there's certain things and we want to start a family and you can't do that if there's no income coming in. So exactly. yeah, you got to pay the bills no matter what, what your job is. Exactly. So I got, now I'm going to ask, um, do you have any shows upcoming? Like, you know, COVID aside, if everything goes perfectly, have you have you said shows have been picking up and everything? Yes. So um, I'm off until December at this point. Mm -hmm. uh, so what I have currently scheduled, and again, this could change very quickly, but uh, so I'm supposed to be doing Raleigh, North Carolina, the first weekend of December. So I think the third to the fifth. I'm supposed to be doing JR as an Erie, the eighth to the tenth. Ooh. Yeah. Then I'm supposed to do. Um, Zanies in Nashville, the 12th and 13th. Stand up live in Huntsville, the 14th. I believe those days are right. Like, pardon me if I'm incorrect on these. <laughs> um, and then that, then that weekend, I do uh, go. Uh, I do bananas in Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey, off for Christmas. And then 26th and 27th, I do uh, Bricktown in Oklahoma City. So I have a pretty packed schedule on paper. A lot of those may change, and yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, you just yeah take just, it day by day. Yeah, exactly. I just and like I say, if they get canceled, it's out of my control. It's not because of anything I did or the clubs did or anyone else did. You just kind of have to it's take how it is, and then uh, we we're yeah. all just trying to get through it. Yep. Hey, I got a similar experience. Number one, you said the eighth through the tenth, you'll be in Erie. Yes. Yeah. That's the day. That's December eighth. That's the day after my birthday. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'll have to see if I can sneak down there, and we'll have to hang out or something. No, I, I apologize. It's the tenth through the twelfth. I have my uh, my uh, my weekend day. So, but it's that weekend. It's the yeah. Thursday through Saturday. Yeah. This is why I'm really bad at this. I'm getting my day. No, so it's after the twelfth in Erie, then the fifteenth yeah. and sixteenth in uh, Nashville, seventeenth yeah. in Huntsville, eighteenth and nineteenth in New Jersey. There we go. Now it's proper. Yeah, yeah. In case anyone. I was kind of thinking, I'm like, it's kind of odd that Junior's just going to have a show on Tuesday, but oh well, you know. Yeah, like, 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 I don't think I'm the only one that's having this experience. But the last nine months, time really has no meaning. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Is it Friday? Is it Monday? Is it summer? Yeah. Is it winter? I don't know. 
well, if it's not Friday, then I'm supposed to be at work right now. So let's hope it's Friday. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. I think, I think according to this, it is saying Friday. So you're good yeah. for right now. Good. Yeah, I won't get that phone call tomorrow. Where were you? <laughs> or I won't be talking to the boss's office. Yeah, where were you yesterday? <laughs> now, I wanted to ask you this question. From one comedian to another, we all have these stories. Can you give us a good heckler story? Um, That's also another thing where, in the grand scheme of things, I've been very fortunate to never, I haven't had very many nightmares, which is, which is in, you know, 14 plus years. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, uh, one of the, I think one of the worst ones I've ever had um, was just kind of your standard drunk guy. I was doing like a, like a pseudo country club kind of thing in Indiana. And um, just this dude, he was just hammered. He was just so hammered and he kept talking um, and, and I basically made, uh, I, I made a kind of a joke. So I, I told a couple jokes about growing up in a trailer park earlier in the set. And this guy was just kind of loudly. And I was like, oh yeah, I remember you. You were the drunk at my trailer park. Just kind of like, uh, the throw it off. The dude started crying. <laughs> he literally started crying. He's like, you said I lived in a trailer park. And like, it, it was the strangest thing. I've never seen a grown man cry because I like, and that, that seemed pretty light in the grand scheme of heckler, uh, just yeah. heckler handling. Um, so like eventually his friends kind of escorted him out on his way out. He threw his hat at me. <laughs> it was like a dirty old ball hat. And I was just like, man, uh, if it wasn't as dirty as it was, I would have like put it on like yeah. for a bit, but like, it was disgusting. It was <laughs> so good. But yeah, that, that that's one of the worst ones. Like I said, I've been pretty fortunate. Most of the hecklers yeah. I've ever gotten, like we all get them. Oh yeah, you know you're, you're all gonna get them. But I I haven't had like the guy trying to stab me or you know anything like that. And again, yeah, I probably just put that into the universe. Now it's gonna happen. But yeah, I actually got a good one myself. I was doing an open mic at a bar, and this guy was trying to participate from the side. He was also one of the comedians there, and I was telling stuff like. You know, back in the days that I kind of, I've given up my dwarfism material a little bit. Right. You know, when I used to tell a joke like, here's the reason why I hate winter. You and me, we go outside. We step in the snow. You, your ankles get poor. Your ankles get cold. I envy you, you know? Right. So I said, like, I step outside and get blue balled or whatever. And this guy was yelling, like, they were blue before you were born or something like that. Like, he was just the entire time just yelling all this stuff. And I have it on video. I finally, I stopped. Turned and looked at him and went, sir, I got a question for you. People ask me all the time, how small am I? I want to ask you, how high are you? Right. <laughs> and he was about to answer, and I'm like, no, 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 you got it all wrong. I'm not asking about your physical stature. Yeah. Everyone's like, ooh. Like, yeah, it, it's always weird when it's comedians. Yes. Like other, like, and it's it's rarely any comedian that I ever respect that does that, but it's odd that if you're like trying to like make it, that they, yeah. if anyone that does that, I'm just like, all right, they're not going to last. Yeah. And the, he went up after me because the I know the host very well. I knew the host very well. He's a good friend of mine. The guy went up after me and because he was on the list, thankfully, and he ate it. He just, yeah. Be, no one cared. Because and, everyone knew him as the, as the jerk exactly. who was telling things during. Yeah, yeah, like, so. he, he, like, even I, like, I'm a fair guy, you know, I wasn't like, ticked off or anything about it he gave me a little material there but like i just 
I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I'm trying to laugh. I'm like, cause you know, you had an open mic. You want to support everyone who's there. You want to be, you know, these are nine out of nine out of 10 of these people are your friends that you see at every other open mic. Sure. But so he just ate it and then got thrown out the comedian after him, just threw him out. He's like, dude, you get out of here. Good. Yeah. Good. <laughs> now I'm going to go from, let's do some polar opposite here. Let's go sure. from comedian to buddies. I ask this to all my buddies. I don't call them friends. I call them buddies on my show. Um, what, in your words, does he, does it mean to be someone's buddy? Um, I mean, that, that's, I, I don't want to get too sappy on it, I guess. I don't know how they, <laughs> but, but like, really, like for me, it's just finding, like just being, a, I guess, an ear to listen for, like, I don't know, just being there for people. Like, it's not that hard, you know, like it's, a, it's so strange how some people seem to make it so difficult to just be friendly with people, you know, or as you put it, just be someone's buddy. Like, you know, I'll go from the context of the comedy world. It, it, it boggles my mind how many people think that they have to be a jerk to make it. Like they think they have to be just out for themselves. They have to like, you know, I'll stab you in the back for an opportunity. And it's like, it doesn't work that way, you know? Like, mm. like, like I have a reputation. Um, one of the nice things that happened after AGT, and this was very important to me and it meant a lot to me, is that no comedians were mad that I got this opportunity. You know, because we're, you, I mean, you, you, you've seen it and you probably have those feelings occasionally yourself. It's human nature. Yeah. If you see someone else, you know, get an opportunity, you start comparing yourself to it. You're like, oh, well, I could have done that better. I could have, if I would have got the show, why is he getting the shot? Yeah. But, you know, I didn't have any real negative feedback from the comedy world, which was huge to me because that means that I did it the right way. Um, mm -hmm. You don't have to be, I, I think if you want to kind of want to put the context, like, you know, what's it like to be a buddy? You don't got to be everyone's best friend. Mm -hmm. You know, like that That I don't. I think is a, is a mistake that people think in like a, especially in like something like comedy. You're not going to be everyone's best friend. You know, there's too many different personalities that come in. Two people just aren't going to click sometimes. It happens. But, like, you can be friendly. You can kind of yeah. just exist. So, for me, it's just, like, it's carrying yourself just with some, like, dignity and respect and just being easy to work with and pleasant to be around and, and just being supportive. Because if if someone – like, like say, for instance, you if you make it, if you get an opportunity, Nick – you didn't take anything from me. You just got an opportunity. Um, that's something I learned in comedy. You know, just because I got something doesn't mean I took it from somebody. Mm -hmm. If they want you, they'll give you that spot too. They'll make a spot for you. So for me, just being a buddy is just just being easy to be around and just being there for people and trying to build this community of support as best as you can. Love that answer. Love that answer. Especially you said it right in the comedy context, you know. So many of us are out to like, you know, like you said, like I've had some buddies that I've unfortunately compared to like, how in the world did he get a spot? Oh no, not this guy getting a spot up there. But why ain't I getting that spot? Like what, what am I doing wrong? Something like that. But you're right. It's all about, it's all about being someone's buddy. It's about being like, I've quit an open mic before because they were being mean to some of my buddies. They were, you know, trashing some of my buddies behind the scene. I ran into the guys about like, Three months later, after that, I was walking out of a parking garage, and they were, um, they were across the street, and they kind of looked at me, and there was that awkward, like, "Well, darn, you know, type yeah. of deal." 
And I just went, you guys have a nice night. You know? Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of opportunities. Like you can make it without being a jerk. That's exactly. just exactly that, that, that yeah. is uh, that that's just the way it is. You don't have to yeah. be cutthroat to make it in this business. Yes, yes. And one way that I'm going to ask you another question that I asked all my buddies on the show. One way to not be a jerk is to be charitable. So if you could have our audience donate to one charity of your choice, what would it be and why? Uh, I'm actually going to give you two. Okay. Uh, when you sent me this question, it was hard for me to like pick one or yeah. the other. Yeah. Um, so obviously for me having a limb difference, that's something that's sort of like, it's important in my, in my existence, you know? Mm -hmm. And up until recently, I didn't really know a ton of people that were in this community. You know, I kind of felt like I'm on an, I'm from a really small town. My hometown was maybe 3000 people, little, little town in Northwest Indiana. No one else had my thing, <laughs> you know, like I was, I was the one. You know, so, you know, it was kind of like, even though like, um, you know, I, I had friends and no one really treated me super poorly. Um, you know, I, I made it through. I was part of developing a, a sense of humor very young. I didn't get bullied as much as I probably could have had I not fortunately been born with that sort of uh, quick wit. But, you know, there, I didn't have these resources. You still kind of can feel like you're on an island, you know, if you're the only you know, I would say probably the same thing for you. You know, if you're the only little person in your general area, sure, people might not be outwardly, you know, jerks to you, but they still don't get it. Yes. <laughs> you know, they don't fully yes. understand the world here. It's the same thing. You know, we're in similar circumstances, but it's not the same. <laughs> you know, we have, there's a lot of differences too. Um, so there's a couple of groups that I feel, um, one that's helped me directly and one I think just does really good work for people. Uh, so the first one I would say would be the uh, the Shriners Hospital, uh, the mm -hmm. Shriners Children's Hospital. Um, they, were that, they were someone that actually was very beneficial for me when I was young. Um, they did all my surgeries. Like I had a surgery in this hand to split these fingers so that I could actually, you know, have grip and function in that way. Um, and they do everything kind of for free. They do everything, uh, you know, just to kind of help those families who might not be able, because, you know, uh, I say this lovingly. I know this would get flagged on Facebook, but I, but I come from old white trash. <laughs> you know, I'm an old trailer park kid. Um, and so we didn't have a lot of money for that type of thing. So the Shriners Hospital definitely took care of us in that. So I would say them. And another one, um, I don't have a ton of direct experience with them, but I have friends that are advocates for them. And I, I know they do some good work. Uh, they're called the Lucky Finn Project. Uh, mm -hmm. They're based out of... Uh, Michigan, and essentially they do, they, they help, you know, parents and children with limb differences, essentially. So, um, like I said, they, they were very supportive for me during AGT. They were trying to get me votes. They were, they were happy to see someone in the community do it. Like I said, I haven't done a ton of direct work with them, but, um, you know, I still feel it's something that, you know, it's resources I wish I had when I was younger. So if anyone kind of wants to throw some money that way too, I think that would be, that would be nice as well. Yes. I like that answer a lot. I like how you want to give back to someone who's given to you personally. Yeah, exactly. Cause, cause like I, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I don't need that type of thing anymore. You know, mm -hmm. like that's, that's great. You know, I don't take yeah. that for granted. Not everyone's in that ballpark. Cause I wasn't in that for a while. You know, we were, we were dirt poor for a long time. So without that, I don't know where I would have been. Mm -hmm. 
And that's like me, you know, I've been on the fortunate side. A lot of people with dwarfism have have to have, you know, surgeries, have to have like back reconstructions at young ages too. Like, um, do you, have you ever seen the show Little People, Big World? Yes. You know, like the father in that show spent his entire childhood in a hospital. And that's why he created that farm because he's like, I want my kids to have the childhood that I missed out on. Right. And like, he would dream of this stuff. Like he would dream of being in the pirate ship. He would dream of being in the old Western town. He's like, I want my kids to have that experience. So you're right. There's that difference of like people, you know, people like you and me, where we're on the fortune and where we're, you know, we've gotten support if we ever need it. And we're, you know, the most you've had is like this surgery, that surgery. The most I've had is like my adenoids removed or an MRI because they thought I had a spinal compression. But there are people out there who, like just with in the forms of little people who have spent their entire childhood in a hospital or I'm dating a little person right now who's had major back surgery and to this day can't sit for more than an hour without having it be torturous to her. Or like, can't, and that's affecting because she can't get a full-time job now. She can't, you know, because she can't lay down. You can't lay down on a job. Yeah, most yeah. of them, they don't let you. Yeah. <laughs> if you could, then by all means, I would be one of the first, I'd be the first person to sign up with her, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, where, where can I do that job? Exactly. Either that or I'd be asking what her boss's motivation is, you know, like, right. <laughs> what's the security camera in this building, honey? I want to check this place out. <laughs> yep. So um, one one question I wanted to ask you again is um, I'm running this campaign for BuddyCast called the Month of Positivity. You know, we're in a month where, you know, the election just went down. We're still dealing with this virus. You know, you probably have seen it. You go outside and you know, say hi to the first person you see on the street and you're instantly granted, you're greeted with a profanity or <laughs> something thrown your way where it's like, have a nice day, you know? Yeah. How can we be more positive in this world in your own, in your own opinion? Um, honestly, I think, um, I don't know if this will be the, the most popular answer. It's going to sound a little strange, but uh, hopefully once I explain it, it'll make sense. Um, I, I'm always a believer that like the the way you can do the most good is you have to be a little selfish first, mm-hmm. and um, by that I sort of mean, you know, kind of I think real positivity comes from within. It comes from being you know happy with yourself and having good self image. Because if you feel like if you feel like you're garbage, how can you really be a light for anyone else? So. Honestly, I would say, you know, if you're having a little trouble being positive right now, be a little selfish. And I don't mean like steal from people or take people's opportunities, but man, just dive in, especially now, man, these are such wild, crazy times. Man, if you're into video games, just dive into some video games for a while. Make yourself happy. Binge watch a Netflix show. Read some books you've been meaning to read. Do some things that are just that do nothing else other than bring you joy. Because mm-hmm. if you kind of get yourself in a better mood like that, you're going to be more likely to to legitimately make pe- other people feel happy. Because you want to share these things. You want to share the positivity. So, um, yes. I, again, I know that's a little unconventional of an answer, yeah. but my my acting teacher in college used to always say that. She said. All, everything that human beings do are inherently selfish. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Because, like, for instance, if you do charity work, you wouldn't do it if it didn't make you feel good. 
Yes. So it's not a bad thing to selfishly want to feel good <laughs> about yeah. doing a good thing. It's, all about, it's about self-care. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So so that 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 is uh, that's the official Ryan Niemeller stamp of positivity. Be I selfish. Like do some things like for you because then you'll be in a better position to do things for others. Yeah. It's like Elton John sings, I'm gonna love me again. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Great song, by the way. So <laughs> now I'm going to ask you what I call the ultimate buddy cast buddy question. Are you ready for this? I've, I've never been more ready for anything in my life, Nick. What is your advice to anyone out there practicing comedy who wants to be in your shoes with the shows, wants to be on AGT, wants to just, you know, get make it big time? Uh, my biggest suggestion for that is make sure you are enjoying the process um if you're getting into something like comedy with because you want to be famous it's not going to work out it's just not how you have to really enjoy this because um as much as i love performing and doing my job there's a lot of things about this job that suck <laughs> it's just how it is you know um things are a little better now because i'm finally making money for the first time in my career really but you know, for the longest time, you know, my career was driving 10 hours and sleeping in my car because I wasn't making enough money to afford a hotel so that I, you know, I would drive these 10 hours to do a gig for 150 bucks, sleep in my car in the cold so I can go back. Like there's a lot of sacrifice to it. So, yeah. um, so I would say one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give, make sure it's something that you love the process because it's gonna be not fun for a while. There's a lot of parts of this business that are awful. You know, like, like that, the the performances are my reward. You know, <laughs> and, and you also have to just realize, um, you know, there's gonna be sacrifices. There's gonna be things that you have to be willing to let go of. You know, I was essentially for 10 plus years, I was single so that I could make this happen, you know? Because it, it's hard to find somebody who wants to date someone that's gone 50 weekends a year, mm -hmm. you know, that's hard on people, you know? So, so I've missed a lot of, you know, birthdays and weddings and holidays because I had to go do these shows. So if, if that's like a sacrifice, that doesn't sound like something you'd want to do. That's okay. Like it, yeah. it's fine, but you have to be self-aware of that to know that like, even now, you know, like now that I, I'm, I'm, I'm making it, like I'm in a position where people know me and I can do well on these shows, it still sucks to be gone. You know, I love my girlfriend. I like hanging out with her. I like our dog. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I, you know, I want to spend time with them. But part of the deal is, all right, you got to be gone for these four or five days because you have to be in Raleigh, North Carolina or Erie, Pennsylvania or wherever it is, you know, so... That it's just it's part of the deal. There's going to be that sacrifice as well. But if it's something you care about and you're passionate about, um, I kind of put it in the context. I said this on AGT during the finals. You know, sometimes if you're too stupid to quit, it'll work out. And <laughs> that's kind of how I look at it. As long as you're enjoying it, if you're too stupid to quit, it can work out. Love it, love it. Well, thank you so much for being a buddy cat for being a buddy here on BuddyCast. As I tell my guests, stick around for a minute. We'll chat, but. Thank you so much. I enjoyed meeting you. I loved your stories. I loved your advice. It's been awesome. It's been a, this is one of my, this is a great show. Well, I appreciate it, Nick. Thanks for inviting me on there. And uh, Anytime. Uh, Anytime. anyone who to listen to this, uh, find me on uh, social medias at Cripple Threat 8. Uh, I'm very 
very uh, responsive on there. So if you guys uh, have any questions or just want to say hi, please do. Yeah. I'm always happy to have new people in yeah, club. I can attest to that. That's how I yeah. got you on the show. You know, exactly. <laughs> so, for all my buddies out there, this is my buddy Ryan. Thank you again for being on the show. And like I said, every single episode, go be someone's buddy today. Perfect. Here on BuddyCast. Well, the days are going fast, buddy, buddy, we've got to make them.